Welcome to Earhopper Presents Let's Talk About Wilderness. This week we have Wiley Robinson, founder of Rumple Outdoor Amazeness, and Jason Hamurka, a dear friend of mine. And we're discussing wilderness and things of that sort. Enjoy. All right. Welcome to uh, Earhopper's podcast. Today we're going to talk about the wilderness. I've <laughs> so I have uh, Wiley Robinson here. Hello. Uh, Wiley is the founder of Rumple, and uh, I could try to describe Rumple, but I'm sure you have it down. Sure. Tell us what Rumple is. So Rumple makes blankets for indoor and outdoor use, mostly outdoor use, really. They're essentially just deconstructed sleeping bags with no zippers, and we have some cool patterns and prints and stitches on them that make them unique. I think I've seen them in like REI or something. They're I? in REI. Yeah, you can get them in REI uh, on our website, which is gorumple.com, and Amazon and Huckberry, as well as a couple sort of small brick and mortar dealers. So um, the other person I have in the studio today is Jason, and Jason and I have a few rumples in our garage. Jason, what do you do for what? what should, describe what you do for a living. What do you do? What do I do? Uh, I just like to hang out. I'm here for the tacos <laughs> primarily. Um, He's but, here for the tacos. But yeah, for a living, I do. Uh, I'm a creative producer at Lyft. Mm. It's a great ride sharing company to try it out. Now, um, the reason I have these two people together is because uh, they're the two people I know personally that have the most investment in the out, the great outdoors, the wilderness, as we like to call it. Um, Wiley, uh, tell us a little. Tell me a little about when Rumple started, because I kind of know the story, but I I, I kind of want to hear like. The background, and I know you've been around for a few years now, mm-hmm. and I'm going to eat a taco while you say that. Sure. Uh, so Rumpel originally started when I was on a surf trip, actually, with my friend Nick, and uh, we were surfing down in San Diego. This is actually over our Christmas break um, from from work uh, in 2013, <clears throat> okay. and uh, we had a great time surfing down in San Diego. Um, but we heard that there was this big storm, winter storm, coming through Mammoth, kind of early season winter storm. And we happened to have all of our ski gear with us in the roof box of the car we were driving at the time. What so, kind of car was it? It's a Honda Element. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like a precursor to a Westphalia, which we can get into did later. You, did you have the Element <laughs> rigged up? Like some people rig it up so you can sleep in it? And... We actually didn't. It was it was Nick's car. Um he did not have it rigged up, but he later did do the rigging. Mm-hmm. So he later built a bed out. But at this time, it did not have the bed. Um, anyway, so we decided to head east into the Sierras, into Mammoth. Uh, and we were camping at these hot springs near Bishop, California, on our first night in the mountains. And um, probably about, I don't know, five miles up a, a dirt road um, near these really, really awesome hot springs that are they're kind of all over that valley, actually. And uh, it was the coldest night ever on record in Bishop. It was like negative 20 without wind chill, just like everything completely destroyed. Mm. Um, So we woke up the next morning. Car just would not even make a click when we turned the key. It was completely dead. (laughs) Uh, Battery just frozen solid. So we were in a little bit of a situation, honestly. It was not really a walkable distance to get from where we were to a main road. We had no cell service. Car wouldn't start, obviously. So... We pretty much just had to get in our sleeping bags and start drinking to stay warm. <laughs> that was kind of the only choice. Um, and Speaking of, <laughs> let me let everyone know, in, 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 in uh, celebration of today's episode, we're drinking wild turkey. 
Uh, great, celebrate the great outdoor whiskey to help keep you warm. <laughs> uh, sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. <laughs> so anyway, we basically started doing this to keep us warm. Although here, I think we're probably trying to cool down a little bit. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, trying to stay warm in there, and uh, you know, just waiting around for whatever reason. We kind of got to talking about our, our bedding at home and how we both would regularly use our sleeping bags instead of our comforters after we had washed them because we didn't want to deal with putting the comforter in the duvet cover and it's like yeah oh, fuck it we'll just i'll just use my sleeping bag tonight leave the <laughs> leave the washed duvet cover on the ground with the comforter right next to it and just climb in bed with the sleeping bag so both of us admitted to doing this we were both single at the time uh probably wouldn't fly too well now with you know a lady in in your life they don't like that shiny, <laughs> they don't like that shiny they don't like material. sleeping bags on, no yeah, they, they don't, don't they don't don't so anyway we decided that we wanted to make a sleeping bag blanket to absolve ourselves of having to stuff a comforter into a duvet cover um, and we, we eventually got out of the trip or got out of the situation, got back from the trip back to San Francisco and sewed up a prototype of this sleeping bag blanket, just ourselves. We went to Brightex is the name of the store, bought a bunch of, you know, nylon material and a bunch of generic synthetic insulation and sewed up this sleeping bag blanket. And that was kind of the end of it. <clears throat> and then, uh, a number of our friends saw them on our beds and thought it was a cool idea. So we kind of got this idea like, all right, maybe we've, we've got this product here. Maybe we could start a company out of this. And then we did a Kickstarter and the Kickstarter did really well. We did about a quarter million bucks in 30 days. So it it launched the company and allowed us to quit our jobs and go into it full time. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. What? So, okay. So you're sitting here and you have this thing in your hands and you're like, maybe this is something everybody wants. How did you take the, how did you flip the switch where you're like, is Kickstarter like a way to like gauge that? Is that like a way to get the data around people? Like, hey, this is something we might be into? Like, Yeah, it was definitely that. I mean, you know, there's a number of reasons why you would do a Kickstarter. You do it to test. You would do it to kind of light a fire under your ass to get the thing presentable for the public. Yeah. You would do it to pre-fund a production run. Um, for us, it was definitely more of a litmus test to see if this was something people actually wanted. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the putting together a package that looked sellable to people was not as stressful to us. That was kind of what my background was before this is, is branding and graphic design and stuff like that. So that wasn't a huge issue, but really assessing if this was actually an idea that the general public wanted, not just kind of dirtbag surfer bro, skier people um, that right. like that, that material anyway. See if, see if the general public actually would want this. So we found out that, that actually the, the types of people that were buying the products were really not necessarily super outdoorsy people. Um, we asked one question that was, it was a multiple choice question after the uh, after the campaign ended. That was, how would you describe yourself? Hardcore outdoorsy, uh, or sorry, hardcore outdoorsman, outdoorsy, mm-hmm. outsidesy, or indoor <laughs> only. And it was like a it was like a 25, 25, 25 split, which wow. was really interesting to us. So what that told us is that you know there's going to be people that use this thing for hardcore backpacking trips where they want to save weight on a sleeping bag. Right. There's also going to be people that, you know, maybe go camping a couple times a year and kind of want to have an extra comfort item with them. There's going to be people that don't really spend a whole lot of time outside. They go to, you know, concerts in the park, things like that. But outside Z. Those yeah, are the outside Z people. Z, exactly. That's me. I'm an exactly. outside Z. Sure, sure. Yeah. I'm definitely an outside yeah, Z. Definitely outside Z. And yeah. then and then there are people that want to use it specifically indoors. And they just, you know, maybe they don't want to get dog hair on it or they've got a newborn that they, they don't want to have to clean up the blanket as often or something like that. Right. Um, so, but we found that it was it was really, really wide appealing. So that was a really good indicator for us on Kickstarter. That's so interesting because yeah. you. I mean, Jason, have you done any? Have you supported any Kickstarters uh, in your life? Only one. Which one was it? Do you remember? 
my buddy started a brewery. It's called Indie Brewing down in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Another Pennsylvania guy. He's Good from, for him. from Scranton and mm-hmm. Philly. So, uh, yeah. Supported that by buying a hooded sweatshirt. So, yeah. <laughs> Kevin's still waiting for it, by the way. <laughs> see, that's a great point, is you support these Kickstarters, yep. and then you never see the goods. Like, I don't know if you guys yeah. remember the, the cooler. Oh, yeah. I that, forget that. The, cool, the coolest like, cooler. Awesome, the, the coolest, coolest cooler. cooler. Yeah. Yeah. Came out and like all these. Did you did you support it? No, but my neighbor back at home did, and he finally got it. I think it was like three years later. Yeah, like took forever to get this shit. So yeah. you're doing this Kickstarter, which you're. I'm going to talk to you about this because sure. you're, you're, sure. I've never done a Kickstarter. Sure. Have you ever done a Kickstarter, Jason? Not yet. You do this Kickstarter, and then you say, "Holy shit!" Is there a moment where you're like, "Now we have to do this"? Like people have supported us. Yeah, we definitely we we kind of had the opposite problem. We always intended to do it, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, we wanted to validate it with the Kickstarter, but we didn't have any plans of like fleeing to Mexico or something with the money. But <laughs> we de- the problem we encountered was that it was way more volume than we thought we were going to have. So okay. this product, you know, we had whatever three thousand supporters or something like that. So right. all of a sudden we got to make three thousand plus blankets, and you know. We live in San Francisco. We don't have a lot of storage space in our apartment. So all of a sudden, we need a warehouse. Right. You know, all of a sudden, we need, like, a distribution facility to help us with returns and exchanges and shipping and all this stuff. So it was just all this operational stuff that we were not expecting at all. Nor do you ever think about. You never really think about right. it. You're like, you're well, like, hopefully. We have a great idea. Yeah. I kind of had this idea of us being in our living room boxing, you know, blankets up and putting, you know, shipping labels by hand and stuff. And that just, like, was not going to happen. I mean, that would have taken us forever. So we had to figure out all this operational stuff. After the Kickstarter ended, that that uh, was more challenging than I was expecting for sure. Well, so, at at what point are you like? I think I think this is this is a big thing. Like, at what point are you like? This isn't just a little idea we had stalled out in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Other people are excited about this. Like, did you did you feel a moment where you're like, there's a tipping point? Yeah, definitely. You know, I think as far as the the single product, the puffy blanket went, we we hit our goal in like twelve hours. So it was just one blanket. You just yeah, offered so was, one. We thing. offered one one style, okay. or really a couple styles, but essentially the same product, just different colors Got and it. sizes. Um, but we we hit the goal really quickly, so we knew that that product was viable and a good idea. And then while the campaign kept going and we kept getting momentum and press and interest from retailers and stuff like that, we kind of got to thinking, you know, hmm, maybe there's this whole market of people that want kind of like performance homeware, like mm-hmm. stuff that, that they use every day that is now made with cottons and polys and, you know, things that aren't really designed to perform under stress, mm-hmm. but they use them every day in their home. Uh, and so we kind of developed this idea that we're calling active homeware, which is kind of where the, we're bringing the company now, which is the Got idea it. to to reimagine everyday homeware goods with performance textiles. Got it. Um, so from there, you could imagine, imagine, you know, blankets, bedding, sheets, towels, slippers, robes, all wow. sorts of stuff. Even, you know, in the far reaches of our imagination, it would be like lighting solutions or furniture with performance, you know, upholstery, things like that, that you can't get stains on or, mm. you know, th- that's like sort of way, way out there. But... Um, the idea that that there's all these people like myself who have, you know, my ski kit that I wear is probably, you know, over a thousand bucks with my jacket and my pants and all the base layers and all this stuff. Mm. But the blanket I had on my bed was like 30 bucks from Target, right. from right. college. Right, right, right. And there's this idea that there's people like myself who are spending all sorts of money on stuff that they wear, you know, 20, 30 days a year, but totally neglecting the things they use 365 days a year. So interesting. Yeah. So that's that was kind of like the big idea we we stumbled upon with this process. So sure. what um, I gotta ask about the name because mm-hmm. I think I think the name is pretty awesome. Yeah. Like it's pretty sometimes like you you hear a product and then the name doesn't quite match the product. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, 
I can't really think of any Velcro. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> if it I think just about came to you like a light bulb. Velcro, Velcro. <laughs> like Velcro was nothing, but yeah, you didn't call yeah. it a hook fastener, right? right? Which right, right. apparently, you know, legally, do right. you guys know the story? I don't. If you ever use the word Velcro, yeah, to describe anything in your product, yeah. they send you a cease and desist. Uh, excuse me, a cease and desist order wow. because they own Velcro, uh, and you have to call it a hook. Hook, hook, and a fiber hook and something product. Hook and loop. Who or the something. fuck knows? <laughs> so Rumple to me, it's like it's a great name, and I remember discovering your stuff and thinking Rumple, and then someone told me what it was, and I'm like, you know what? That matches. So yeah. did you come up with it? Who came up with the I name? I came up with the name. Um, the, my my uh, my contribution to the project in the early days uh, was really kind of like the brand, the aesthetic, the logo, the the voice. Um, that's kind of the background I came from. I worked at an agency called Landor for a number of years before starting Rumpel, and now it's just like a full-service branding agency. They do strategy, graphics, identity, um, you know, all that full suite of, of creative services. So that was that was like my my strength going into it. Um, so the idea was was really just that it's an onomatopoeia. It, it sounds like the product behaves. You know, you don't fold it up or press it or iron it. You just kind of crumple it up and throw it in the corner. You stuff it in a stuff sack, you know. So we wanted to come up with something that kind of emulated that sensation and that that behavior and, and action. And uh, Rumpel just like really, honestly, it came really organically. It mm. was just like, boom, done. Did, did you have any other names that were close? Like what was the like iteration? I don't even remember at this point, honestly. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't. You know, you know, a really uh, uh, one interesting thing about the identity um, is when I was working on the logo, um, I kind of thought about what is what does this thing do? You know, like what it's 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 a it's a clean looking thing, but it's actually kind of messy, and it sort of hides the um, you know the imperfections really easily and stuff like that. So I got to thinking it's almost like two sides of a spectrum. Like you've kind of got this technical side, and then you've got this messy side. And I thought when I was thinking about the the hand style for the logo mm -hmm. about a technical cursive. You know, mm. it's kind of like cursive is really freeform and flowy, mm -hmm. and technical is like perfect, geometric, you know, mm -hmm. every line weight is the same, every length is the same. So to mesh technical cursive with each other would would result in this kind of beautiful, flowy, organic thing that was also really refined and really systematic and intentional. So that was kind of like the, the that was the only creative brief I gave myself for the whole logo was, was like technical cursive. Mm -hmm. Like make this logo out of as few parts as possible. Yeah. Um, and so that, that really informed the logo and the brand and yep. the identity and everything like that. No, it's it an like awesome it. logo. I mean, it's very retro-y. It's a little neon. The, the, it's got a little neon thing going for it, which I like. It's yeah. Little, it's got the that. logo is actually made up of only three oh, pieces, yeah. three curves, bends. That's it. Got it. And they're all just, they repeat each other. A million times and mm -hmm. spell the word rumple. So that was kind of the, the idea is like create this little kit of parts that's the technical part. And then the cursive was just the curves and the and the lines and things like that. So that's how the identity and the name and the logo and all that got developed. So okay, that's what, three years ago? Four years ago now? Where are you? Yeah, the, that's uh, life, life cycle. So the, the Kickstarter closed in um, January twenty fourteen. So got we it. launched the Kickstarter December twenty thirteen. I guess actually, let me backtrack. The story that I just told about us being in the car was actually December 2012. Mm. So it took us about a year to mm -hmm. kind of develop the product and the idea and all that stuff. And then we launched it December 2013. We incorporated the company in January 2014. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So 
thinking about um, it's funny you mentioned curves mm-hmm. because now what I'm thinking about is uh, you have this product and it's it's a it's basically a big old blanket mm-hmm. and now you're saying you're going into these all these other areas mm-hmm. uh, what at what point where you're like okay we've done this and now we're ready to expand the brand mm-hmm. like is it is there is there a uh, it's kind of like the Kickstarter thing do you have this other moment where you're like okay I think we can do this in a bigger in a broader sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, like yeah. what, what happens? Like what, tell us, I mean, Jason, I don't know. I've never been a part of something like this where it's like I invent a fucking product and then suddenly <laughs> I um, have a, not officially, but how many nights in the garage have we, we've, been we've had some great it, nights where we had these ideas, <laughs> um, but have, have not executed. It's pretty rare that people get from the drunken idea stage yeah. to a multi-million dollar company. That's yeah. why. That's why it's it's important for us to learn today from Wiley. And just on that subject, I actually get asked that pretty often. Like people have ideas all the time and they're like, How do I actually make this into something? Yeah. I actually think that our our strength was that we were just really naive. Mm. Like we didn't we, we asked people about how to do we we really asked people about how to how to do a Kickstarter. We didn't ask them about how to start a company. Sure. And because we didn't ask them about how to start a company, we didn't know how fucking hard it is. Sure. And we didn't know all the shit that we'd have to deal with and all the paperwork we'd have to do and all the bills we'd have to pay and all the taxes mm. and all this stuff that's involved with starting a business is not fun at all. Right. That's super challenging. And it's a manufacturing business. Yeah. This isn't like a software app. Yeah. Which totally. is what we're used to yeah, dealing we have with overhead. here in we have products. San Francisco. We have, we have yeah. things we got to pay for every day that they're in the warehouse. We got to right. pay rent on those things. Right. So um, moving through that inventory efficiently and making sure that we purchase the right amount, but not under purchase and not over purchase, it's all stuff that we're learning now kind of on the fly. Yeah. But uh, didn't know beforehand for How sure. many people work for the company now? Uh, seven people, including myself. That's pretty crazy, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, a night, a night without a power, night, a night getting and drunk heat in a van turns into <laughs> I, I am, I am a part owner. I am the owner of this yeah. seven-person company. That's yeah. that's pretty admirable. Thank you. Um, I haven't, I haven't done anything that cool. I feel like we could hire seven more very easily too. Like everybody right. is totally required to do work that's kind of beyond their job description mm-hmm. and. Uh, luckily, the team that that we have is just amazing, and they're all super passionate, and everybody's really kind of like behind the the mission and all that. So it's really good. That's a great segue yeah. because you know the the topic here today is wilderness, and one of the things I really wanted to talk about uh, with both of you is, you know, I talk to a lot of people with the craziness that's going on in the world mm-hmm. right now, and people are always saying, you know, I just want to get away from it all. Yeah. Like I just want to. <laughs> Get out there. And and more and more I meet people that are, you know, they're renting RVs or they're learning how to like fish or mm-hmm. they're 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 wanting to go skydive. They want to do all these things that take them away from this sort of space uh, that we're all living in right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's pretty cool to think about the fact that you've come up with this product that does sort of uh, it 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 fits in, if I may, mm-hmm. it fits into this like lifestyle we have, mm-hmm. uh, and yet it's also this thing that is functional in so many different ways out in the wild. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think about uh, I think about people that you know they're they're buying appliances for their apartment based on like like they're buying like a Coleman like coffee maker or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like they're mm-hmm. buying these weird little. Mm-hmm. Kitschy things, and I think one of the things I'm I'm, I'm curious about, and I want to ask you and Jason about, is you're both people I know that go away all the time. Like you're like every weekend, I ask you or Jason, I'm like, are you around this weekend? And nine times out of ten, you're like, 
Now I'm going to Yosemite. Oh, no, I'm heading up to uh, Big Sur, down to Big Sur. Excuse me. So I'm curious, like, when you think about this idea of getting away from it all, uh, and maybe this is a question for, for Jason first, because Jason doesn't work at Rumpel, and he's not working for a lifestyle brand. When you think about the idea of getting away from it all, what are you thinking in your head when you're excited to, like, leave Friday at 5 o'clock? Like, what's, what's that motivator to just get out and get away from Wi-Fi and, and, and artisanal uh, <laughs> coffee? <laughs> like, what, what are you thinking when you get excited about that? Like, what's the... What's the... I'm thinking there's... Uh, really, there's no excuse to, like, you know, look at my phone or check email or anything like that. Like, I, I can't. You know, I'm in the car. I'm on a road trip. So I physically, A, shouldn't be doing it. You know, mm. number one. Number two, it's like... No desire. Number three, everyone should be che- technically checked out, even though we all work 24-7. Around here, it's kind of that feeling of, like, I'm behind the wheel. I'm out, and I gave a couple people a heads up. I won't be around. So don't, you know, send the send the team out after me just in case, you know, something happens. But, um, yeah, it's actually just that feeling of just freedom, just getting out there, no obligations, just checking out. Um, and you physically can't even get on your phone or anything like that. So you kind of put yourself in that situation. So that's it right there, the mindset. And if you stick to it, then it's just like, that's when you kind of like, then it's worth it. You know, that five, six hour drive, 12 hour drive, whatever that may be, doesn't really phase you because like, you know, you got a good playlist on, you know, you're talking about stupid stuff in the car, whoever you're with, mm-hmm. you really got to just like get away from anything digital, anything on normal everyday life. So that's kind of nice. What's the last trip you took uh, away from the city that was, wil- let's say, in the wilderness, whatever that means to you? Hmm. I'd say Big Sur. Mm-hmm. Went down there. Um, wasn't the last trip, but I guess the one, first one that popped in my head was just for Thanksgiving. You know, not doing the obligation of turkey and family, everything like that, like traveling and, and the rush of just got to get to the airport, make sure I get the right flight, all that stuff. It's like, you know what? Let's go down. We drove down south to Big Sur. It's like, cool, we're doing complete opposite of all the traditions, but we're making our own tradition by just getting out of town. There was no traffic. Mm-hmm. Um, cruise down the PCH, set up camp on the, you know, on a whim. Found a first come, first serve spot. Um, I will say, we did buy turkey at Whole Foods. <laughs> <laughs> but just to make it official. The old Whole, Fo- Whole Foods <laughs> turkey. Yeah, I mean, so good. But, uh, but we did have a little tradition there. But that's kind of just, just checking out and not doing the norm. And then, and then doing that, you're putting yourself in a situation that other people that are like-minded or not, but other people chose that, that same path. And then you kind of get out there and you're like, hey, what are you doing here? Oh, what are you doing here? And you mm-hmm. have this cool conversation and kind of just have that vibe where you're like, hey, man, like, nice work. What are you going to hike today? Or, you know, what are you going to do? Oh, cool. Nice. I like your setup. You know, it's, it's nice. Nice van. Oh, you got a motorcycle in the back. Nice. Where do you? I just start so many conversations. Like a weird random synergy of these people coming together with the... With the understanding that we're just getting away from our lives, yeah, like our normal day to day. But it's cool because we're not like running away; mm-hmm. like we're choosing to get away. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not running from anything bad. It's all positive and just another level, which is nice. Right, and that that brings me to uh, Wiley has a Westphalia, mm-hmm. uh, which is a gorgeous uh, piece of kit, <laughs> <laughs> um, which I just discovered a couple weekends ago, um, where we. Uh, it, was it a was it oh it was the longest was it the longest day of the, no it was daylight savings time daylight savings yeah so we met you uh, at the beach here in San Francisco at Ocean mm-hmm. Beach 
And I got to be honest, I felt like I was getting away from it all. Like we met you on the beach. We were drinking some wine. And uh, and then we got in the Westphalia and we just drove up like four blocks yeah. and just looked at the sunset. Yeah. And here I am on a Sunday and within an hour, hour and a half, I'm feeling like I'm away from it all, even though my apartment's only 10 minutes away. Mm-hmm. So I think that is... Um, that's a bigger point I want to make, which is like when you say you have to get away from it all, like is that possible? I think it's possible to just do it in this like like micro way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I don't know that that's possible for everyone in the United States, mm-hmm. but it's definitely possible when you live in San Francisco, California, that you have this moment where you're just and, – and I think like knowing that you own this van, like do you feel that? Like when you're driving around the hate and like – like do you feel like you're kind of a part of – the van is awesome, and it, it really, it honestly, it really is a... The van is awesome. It, it really is like a, a lifestyle thing. It's not a... I, I didn't choose the car because it gets me places faster or right. definitely didn't choose it for reliability. It's kind of like when I'm driving that thing, I know I'm not going to get there the fastest. I know I'm not going to, you know, be the flashiest when I show up, but yeah. I'm kind of just in this little meditative state for 10, 15 minutes while I'm driving it, and it's awesome. So you're saying, what, what I'm hearing you say, is yeah. you're getting away from it all, but you're still in it all. I could actually be going to it, and I'm getting away from it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're going to take a quick break and refill our glasses, and we'll come back in a second. All right, we're back uh, for the second segment of the wilderness. And I thought I'd start this segment with a little something I got at the Safeway called... Wait, the Safeway? It's called the Safeway, (laughs) called drinking vinegar. Uh, It's got four billion live probiotic cultures, and this is a lemon cayenne blend. So I have three shot glasses here. I thought uh, in addition to the... The new wild turkey drink we all just uh, made for ourselves over the break. We could each take a shot of the drinking vinegar, uh, and then you know, you know what I want to talk about after that is when you're out on. I know I filled that up a little high. Sorry. <laughs> when you're out on the road, what are your uh, what are your go tos for uh, sustenance? Because everyone uh, everyone goes camping and has their shit. So salute, salute to everyone. Here's a Hello. shot of the drinking vinegar. Ooh. Not as bad as I was expecting. I was just going to say not that. As bad not as bad as I was expecting. Bad. Yeah. I, I figured I wasn't going to be into that. I but thought it was I really liked it. That was yeah, good. They, they definitely cut the vinegar a lot yeah, on this. Yeah, that's mostly just lemon. Yeah, it was definitely <laughs> lemon. A little cayenne, but mostly yeah. lemon. Um, but I am is, generally not a fan of vinegar drinks. Like, I don't really like kombucha. I don't. I don't like kombucha either. Yeah. Totally Vinegar is supposed out. to be really good for your insides. Mm-hmm. Uh, pickle, pickled things, vinegar... Picklebacks. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, you're going camping, and both of you go camping way more than I ever have, and that means once or twice. <laughs> so, how do you know, like, when you're, because uh, I'm the kind, I'm a little, I'll, 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 I'll reveal, I'm a little more impulsive. Maybe it's like four o'clock and dinner's at five o'clock. I'm like, I don't know what I want yet. But yet, when you go camping, you have to plan this out. Uh, so, you got your rumple, you got your Westphalia. How do you plan out what you pack in a cooler uh, besides going to Whole Foods? <laughs> you want to go first, Jason? 
Yeah, sure. I mean, I guess it depends on what kind of camping, though, Greg. There's a couple of different levels, you know, like like backpacking is where the planning comes into play. Well, backpacking, I mean, you like have that's a... That's a whole other level right there. But as far as, like, camping or car camping or site camping or anything like that, I'm just going for uh, pure gluttony, really. You know, just like, <laughs> let me get a bunch of Snickers and trail mix, <laughs> some soda... You know, all that stuff for so the road. So all those then, things sound like very quick energy to me. Oh, wait, I forgot about combos. Combos. Yeah. The I indulge cheese. heavily when I'm car camping. Like okay. I, I'll, I'll bring wine and beer and mixers, and I'll make, like, nice cocktails. Nicer yeah. than I would at my house, actually, when I'm car camping. Interesting. But if I'm backpacking, like Jason said, I, I will probably... I'll go for whiskey because it's the most bang for your buck, really. Per now, when you ounce. say bang for your buck, you mean you just want more The most alcohol. drunk per fluid ounce. <laughs> Got it. Like this 101 wild turkey we're exactly, drinking right exactly. now. Got it. Okay. Um, and then I'll actually go as far as emptying out a plastic water bottle and filling that to save weight from the, mm-hmm. so I don't have to deal with the glass bottle. So you're saying you'll empty out a plastic bottle and fill it with whiskey. Correct. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Because you don't want the heaviness. Correct. Interesting. So- now, it's my understanding, because I've never done it, when you're hiking, you need hydration. So that's water, not whiskey. <laughs> so how does that work? Like, do you pack up Well, like, you bring a water, too. You bring water, too. Okay. A gallon's probably excessive, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Most most modern backpacks have a bladder attached to them, like a camelback, um, or you just have a water bottle on your side side pocket or something. That when you, you say a bladder attached, uh, what a do hyd- you mean by a, that? a hydration bladder with a, with oh. a hose that oh. comes around the... <laughs> The the you know shoulder strap and you can you can pull water. I mean, at it. my age, you said a bladder <laughs> attached. I thought there was some like cool. I don't need to pee all the time. There's like an extra bladder I can buy. It's like a secondary <laughs> secondary bladder. So okay, so you're out camping. Let's say what's the uh, maybe both can answer this question. What's the longest you've been out there? And you haven't come back to civilization, whatever that means. Probably not crazy long for me. Like probably seven to ten days kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I've done a number of seven to ten day trips, but I don't think I've done really many more than that. You know, I've, I've never done, like, a month in the wilderness. You're not Eddie Vedder? Did Eddie Vedder do that? No, but he, he just he scored the soundtrack to the... <laughs> into the Wild. Movie. Yeah, I don't know. It's, <laughs> yeah. Again, into the Wild. Trip. Come on. What about you? <laughs> what, uh, Jason, what, uh, what's the longest you've been out there? I can't hang with that, but I would say uh, five days five. in uh, Death Valley. Mm-hmm. So I've I, done... I have done a, a six-week van trip mm-hmm. but i've never done a like truly in the wilderness just on my own legs for travel more than 10 days i think now the listening audience can't see this but these two guys are ready to spar off about who's roughed it <laughs> the most probably him. Um, i'm not uh, even that hard <laughs> <laughs> i'm not that hard <laughs> but that okay so Dude, that rubble is not a, is not like a hard product I rubble pulled, is, a, is a glamorous i don't want to say glamping but it's a glamorous camping i product. pulled another shot of uh Drinking vinegar for everybody. All right. Mm. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah. Whoa. <clears throat> That's going to keep you right, right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so here's a little something. I looked up on Quora, Quora.com, uh, <laughs> and I asked Quora.com a question. I said, Quora, what amount of wilderness is left on the earth? And Quora said, and I'm paraphrasing, but you, y'all, y'all can do this if you want. It said uh, only 10% of the physical space of the earth is occupied by humanity. However, 90% is occupied by highways going over that space. 
And I could I could pull this out and quote it, but trust me, I'm on this. <laughs> so basically, what we're looking at is tons and tons of unpopulated area that people only use to commute to another area. So when we think about that, and we think about the earth and the shit that's going on and the things that may or may not be true, my question to you is, what do we do <laughs> with all that unpopulated land when we aren't really exploring? Like, we're not really exploring. Like, we're only, what, we drive three, four hours outside of the city. But do we go to Nebraska? Do we go to South Dakota? Do we go to Kansas? None of us do that. We go to these specific areas that we know are campable and are beautiful, but there's tons of this planet that we're not even exploring. So are we really out in the wilderness? Wow. That wow. Was, that, wow. Was, that was vinegar. Quick, that was, that was vinegar. vinegar talking Quick right point there. of clarification. The vinegar's Question. really hitting Question. me right now. <laughs> Question. Do we think that uh, that 10% includes oceans because oceans obviously cannot be inhabited, but they can be traveled upon. Good question, my friend. Yeah. I did I did double check that with okay. Quora. <laughs> Quora.com? Quora.com. <laughs> uh, no, this is actually inhabitable. What they, what they say is inhabitable land. Wow, that's so, crazy. So, so much of the inhabitable land we're only using to get someplace else. Mm -hmm. Like how often have you gone down I-5 as an example? And never, I've never stopped. I don't stop to like go where the, it's just rows and rows of some shit that's growing. Los Panos. Los Panos. I don't know. Like, so we think about that and we think about this whole like building a wall. Why are we building a wall? There's tons of space here. Why don't we let people in, I, in Nebraska? I don't think it's anyone in this room knows why we're building a wall. I don't actually. Well, <laughs> it's undesirable space. I mean, five is just all a bunch of slaughterhouses. If you want to think about it. Interesting. So you're saying no one wants to hang out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're only habiting like we're only going to the places where it's enjoyable. Or there's some scenery or some kind of some catch or something to persuade us to get there, right? I agree. Uh, so there is a movement to drill in the Grand Canyon right now because there's oil in the Grand Canyon. So here's my question to you: No one's in the Grand Canyon. Should we just let that happen? No. No, that's that's a no-brainer. No. But why? No one's living there. Not living technically, but how many people visit it? So what does it give There's us? There's more I, I actually I actually think that the problem would not be people visiting. I think it really has a lot more to do with the byproducts of doing things like drilling in the Grand Canyon. Mm. Um, you know, runoff into streams and uh, just just fucking up a lot of areas that are inhabited by non-humans, mm -hmm. um, that's a big deal, in my opinion, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whether or not I can see it. So there's people that say that there should be a, like a logo on the moon, like Pepsi wants to put their logo on the moon. <laughs> Did you know this? No. They're like, we, Pepsi has, they have, they have researched, they have spent millions of dollars to see how much it, it would cost to make a red, a giant red blotch and a giant blue botch. Blotch? <laughs> Vinegar's hitting me <laughs> on the moon, and and my question when I think about this is what at what point do we need to stop and say let's let it happen? I think it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Do you God, ever go? Do you honestly, ever go to Big Sur and think I really want to cut these fucking trees down? <laughs> <laughs> I I really I mean this is a this is a whole other can of worms probably, but I we got twenty minutes left. Go for it. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of like ashamed even when I see the development that's happened in my lifetime. Yeah, and it's a huge bummer to me to see even I mean I'm from San Francisco even seeing San Francisco now compared to what it was 10 years ago, 15 mm-hmm. years ago, the amount of people, the amount of uh, construction, the, you know, the, when, when I was growing up, the Presidio, as an example, was an abandoned army base. And we could literally just run wild in the Presidio. It was mm-hmm. like having a forest right in our backyard in the city. Mm-hmm. And it's heavily regulated now. It's, you know, granted, they've done a beautiful job with it. It's great. And it's, mm-hmm. it's an awesome recreation area for everybody. But it's just... It's, it's all getting a little bit more boxed in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that the more wild we keep places, Presidio and far beyond, the moon. <laughs> are, the moon. Are very important. I think that that instills a sense of exploration and adventure in young people. I think it also, um, you know, it invites a lot of creativity just from, from seeing things and being inspired by them. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think it would be a real shame to put a Pepsi logo on the moon. <laughs> We're really, or going, cut we're down really all the stuck trees on this Pepsi Sur. logo on the moon, <laughs> yeah. aren't we? That's crazy. I didn't know about that. Well, it's okay. The Earth is flat, so you'll never see it. <laughs> oh, Shaq. Um, Shaq Diesel <laughs> thinks the Earth is flat. Um, J- Jason, do you remember the first time? Uh, Jason's from Philadelphia, if I can say that, around Philadelphia. Do you remember the first time you looked at something and said, I wish it was still there? Like you walked away from it and it, you came back and it was gone. <laughs> Do you remember that? I remember. I have a moment. That's why I'm asking you uh, what your moment is. I mean, I have to think about that one. All right. Yeah. What do you got? You think about oh, no the uh, the church uh, that I went to when I was a young kid. Uh, they it's now a Rite Aid. <laughs> <laughs> like they raised the you church. Know, you know wow. what is a great analogy for that is people who skateboard. And I used totally. to skateboard when I was younger, and skate spots just boof. Have you watched? Gone. Have you watched the show Abandoned? On Vice Land. No. Okay, Vice Land, a network, has a show called Abandoned, and this dude who's amazing and he's like Tony Hawk age. I oh, I've heard name. about this. I've heard about this. He yeah. goes to all these places in the United States and he skates where it's like not what it was, and it's it's yeah. an incredible show because you realize this sort of arc of uh, what what was once important mm-hmm. and is no longer important, and somehow someone can reappropriate it. It's kind of like what you're talking about mm-hmm. with the Presidio. Yeah. People can just go in, and uh, at what point does that tipping point happen? And then it's raised, and it's suddenly a fucking multi-use condo that no one cares yeah. about. Yeah, um, Except for the people living in the condo. Of course. <laughs> it's it's all subjective. People paying the money. It's all subjective, I think. You know, like, for me, I have, I have legacy memories of riding my bike around the Presidio and skateboarding and old sort of abandoned warehouses there and sure. stuff like that. And now, you know... The Disney Museum is in one of those warehouses. Right. And there have been tens of thousands of kids that have passed through that museum, and it's a whole new, beautiful experience for them. But right. for me, I'm like, ah, oh, man, this is just so yuppie. I can't, yeah. you know, come and skateboard here. Right. So, <laughs> so the so. question then the question then becomes, is it us being nostalgic, or is it actually something we need to pay attention to? Like, what gets, what gets cut off as... This is something that should be saved, which is interesting because you wouldn't have your Westphalia if it wasn't for someone saying, we need horseless carriages. Yeah. I, mean, My, I, think, I was going to go say ahead. the cutoff would probably be like, is it man-made or not? 
You know what I mean? Like, there's so much natural beauty out there. Mm. You can't reproduce it. And if you do, then it's not legit. It's not genuine. Mm. Whereas, I go back to the question you asked me earlier. I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, what, what happened? Oh, Veteran Stadium and the Spectrum in Philadelphia. Totally. Great memories. You know, first baseball game as a kid. Yep. You know, first basketball game with mm-hmm. my dad. Like, it was great, you know? And then they're gone. They so, if somebody go back, mm-hmm. I'm like, it's a parking lot. Great. You know what I mean? Yep. They replace them with better stadiums. I get it. Um, keeping up with the times. But... When it comes to nature, you really can't reproduce that. That stadium wasn't there 30 years before you were born or whatever, right? Like someone was like, that used to be, that used to be the mercantile. (laughs) I used to go get my penicillin there. Exactly. So that's, it's a very similar thing that happens generationally. Like if you think about it, the Golden Gate Bridge wasn't always there. Imagine all the people that protested when the Golden Gate Bridge was put in. Yeah. Which we look at and we're like. Don't take it away. It's the most beautiful thing ever. And mm-hmm. it's like a bridge and it's this weird shade of orange and people run across it, which is stupid. Like, and now, <laughs> like, like, there were people that people protested that. Yeah, right? totally. I'm sure. So it's just, it's, it's interesting. Or Alcatraz. Yeah. Right? It's this amazing thing that people go to where it's like, wow, Alcatraz. Mm-hmm. And some people want to privatize it and make mm-hmm. it like a, like a, like a destination island, mm-hmm. right? And they're like, you can't do that. We need to celebrate the heritage of people getting locked up. <laughs> <laughs> right? I would say that the line is probably where the damage is kind of irreparable. Like if, you know, if you're talking about chopping down forests um, or, I mean, I guess, I guess. Like the nature I, thing I, you're talking about. It's like a nature. I guess the Golden Gate Bridge is fairly irreparable. It's always going to have remnants of a gigantic bridge, even right. if they decided, decided to uninstall it. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow, you know. Well, the Bay Bridge. Yeah, great example. Yeah, perfect example. The Bay, the old Bay Bridge is now a fart in the wind. And in it's some exa- in some ways, a much more attractive, aesthetically pleasing bridge. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's. As, I don't know if it's as solid if when the when the big one hits, <laughs> but it is a much more like you drive across the Bay Bridge. You're like, oh, this is beautiful. It's like a giant angel with wings coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, that. That you know won't stand up 8.0 or whatever. Yeah, they're saying now. But so there's that. Uh, so maybe it's the aesthetics of things. Uh, like when I, I when actually like let's let's go back to the Grand Canyon example. Like if if you did, I, I actually have no idea what the what the um, side effects of of drilling for oil in the Grand Canyon would be. But so, let's just let's just assume that it would contaminate a stream or two. Mm-hmm. Um, if you talk about killing off a population of fish that live in that stream that feed some other animal or, you know, contribute to, like, an ecosystem, and sure. now all of a sudden they're gone, that's actually a really big deal because that sure. can't really be repaired. Right. You know, so that's the kind of thing that I think is important to protect. Right. Yeah. That I understand. Seeing species, you know, go extinct and places that... that really cannot be duplicated go away is is pretty upsetting i think i think um i think humanity has uh proven that it will always destroy other other life forms for sure that's kind of what we do like this that's what we're great at right like we'll we'll kill entire species of things to get what we want um i'm not saying that's good or bad like it is survival Mm -hmm. right um, I think in the case of something like uh, Yosemite or the Grand Canyon or all these other places they're talking about opening up to development, um, I think that's where we get to, well, then why are we here, mm-hmm. right? If we can't get away, if we can't uh, spend four hours, five hours, eight hours in a car to go somewhere and and feel something, 
feel something that we don't get in our day to day uh, that's important to us, that to me is something worth preserving. And yeah. that's, I think that's where it ends for me. Like, and I get what you're saying. It's like if it's man made or not. Because I can think of many beautiful things that are man made that mm-hmm. I've seen that mm-hmm. I'm like, that's a beautiful thing mm-hmm. that humanity made. Um, how many slaves did it take? I'm not sure. <laughs> Um, you know, how many people had to suffer yeah. to make this thing? It's like the Louis C.K. thing where he's like, when you, anytime you like a maybe, video on maybe. YouTube, the but maybe thing. Yeah. Like, I'm taking a shit and I'm liking a video on YouTube. How many people died for that? Um, so it's, but it's very true. Um, and, and it's like, I think about like, uh, I think about this, this idea of, of, of where we are right now. And we're at this point where we all have the same access to knowledge, which maybe has probably has never happened, right? So then it's like, what do we do with it? Mm-hmm. And when you think about Trump being on, you know, uh, Mount, what's the the Mount Rushmore? Like, are we going to put him? Is he as good a president as these other people, or is it that we didn't know how shitty those people were uh, because we didn't have? access to the information that we have now. Maybe they were all just as shitty as this guy. Maybe That's every highly president possible. was shitty. That's totally possible, right? honestly. I mean, now, in a good way, there's incredible transparency to the way that people handle themselves, politicians handle themselves and things like that. And right. There is no promise that, you know, George Washington wasn't an asshole. Shitty. <laughs> yeah. We, we choose to assume he was good. Whose cherry tree was it that he yeah. chopped down, my friend? Yeah. His next door neighbors. <laughs> All right, how can I pick this up? <laughs> Wait, where do we leave off at? <laughs> I think we got on a good tangent. We were talking about places you have a memory of going yeah. away. Yeah. We're, well, so you said Veterans Stadium. Yeah, I mean, man-made. I have good memories, but then, you know, it's all man-made. Like, it's, it's just an example. Mm-hmm. Where, do you okay. draw, where do you draw the line? Nature. Here's here's a here's Nature a uh, wilderness. I will I will speak to this. The three of us, to my knowledge, don't own any property. Am Correct. I right? Correct. Correct. What sort of property would you own if I handed you all? If I handed all of us five hundred thousand dollars right now to go buy a piece of property, what? <laughs> that's what, you're going to need to buy like what? five million. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's buy, a down payment. Buy. It's a down payment. <laughs> a parking spot? Or, or maybe not. No, maybe you get the five. Right. Maybe you get the five hundred thousand, and you say, "I'm going to go to another city." Yeah. Uh, so okay, I'm handing each of us another shot of drinking vinegar <laughs> and five hundred thousand dollars. Where do you go with five hundred thousand dollars in 2017? Um, Who wants to answer first? Go ahead. Where do we go location-wise? Whatever you do. I, here's five hundred thousand dollars. The only stipulation is. You have to buy a piece of property right now. Hmm. You can only use it to buy property. So not California, because it's $500,000 will get you nothing for the most part. You should talk to some people in Tracy. <laughs> hmm. Ooh. Oof. Vinegar. <laughs> Vinegar! Let me do a shot of vinegar first. I got, <laughs> these are heavy questions. So the ideas I mean, flow. Yeah. I mean, this is this I is would, something I think about. Yeah. Like if, if someone hand like if I if I had that amount of money, like yeah. would I stay in San Francisco? Tax free? Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? Like here? Like what's going sure, on? it's tax free. <laughs> Five hundred thousand dollars. 
I would I would go for probably, and this is actually 500000 or not. This is probably like the type of place I'm looking to buy anyway in life. It's just a probably like the, the biggest piece of land or most quality piece of land I can get that's within a relatively easy proximity to an urban environment. Interesting. So you um, don't want to be that far away. No, I'm not that type urban. of person. I'm 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 I've actually decided that I'm not like a super remote, you know, like see one person a week type of person. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, I definitely, you know, get energy from other people and from activities around mm-hmm. the city, but I also get really fucking annoyed with general, you know, needs living in a city. Parking tickets and uh, You've gotten a lot of parking I've tickets. I've gotten a lot of <laughs> Dude, I got four parking tickets the other day. Oh. Four parking tickets. Because we're Facebook friends. <laughs> I know this. Yeah. So I would I would find something that is that is in relatively close proximity to a creative hub. Interesting. You know, presumably a city or urban environment, but also gives me some you know space and and freedom to get out there. I would like some trees on the property, that kind of thing. So there's a uh, interesting. There's there's been a few interesting studies that are all about how. Uh, people spread throughout the United States, and we're only going to talk about the United States because that's all I know. Uh, that's the best I know, I should say. <laughs> and now people are all flocking back to cities. Mm-hmm. So you find these areas of uh, small towns that are just disintegrating. Uh, and there's lots of reasons that that supposedly happens. But uh, So you're saying you don't want to be away from the city. Yeah. What's your, I, what's your like, three hours? Uh, no. It, it would be a day trip. So, like, probably within an hour and a half. Got it. I think. Got it. Yeah. Got it. How about you, Jason? I like the proximity, definitely. But I would say I'd want to, because $500,000 is not like a retirement fund, right? So, I would say it would have to be a good piece of property within hour, hour and a half from an airport. Mm-hmm. Um, because That's a good one, actually. If you look at it this way, you go $500,000 means I have no mortgage, right? Mm-hmm. Whether you have that property... And you park an airstream on it, um, a tiny house, uh, a trailer, whatever it may be. That's your property. You you live there based off like the zoning laws, whatever. Get all that aside, but that's your home base. Mm-hmm. And then you just travel. Mm. You know. So I think there'd have to be like an hour, hour and a half from an airport, some kind of public mode of transportation that's easy to get to, to then get to the airport. So you just go away for a while. Just mm-hmm. go check out the world, see what's going down. This is interesting because you're saying you want to buy a place near a place where you can get away from that place. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so so maybe maybe what we're looking at and I do actually believe this that humanity and and the genes that we have the 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 inside of us always wants to be moving. We always want to be going somewhere else. But and have a home base as well. Like But have a place to, to have come back and call home. Exactly. So you have that core and the world has like gotten a lot smaller now because like the whole thing with like the interwebs. I don't know if you heard of it or not, but it, it kind of made the world a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. And it's like there's so much more out there. Your 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 brain's going like creating more ideas. Like here's a cool trip I could do, and here's what someone else has done. Like that's cool, not my style, but I'll put a twist on it to make it my own, and go do that. You know, to you know. So that is why I'm saying get close to an airport. But it's it's nice to come home. You know, it's nice to have that home base. I'm not saying it's like a cul-de-sac, you know, in, like, South Jersey where you have this beautiful, like, cookie-cutter home that everyone else has, you know, the, the builder built the whole development with the same materials, you know, all that stuff. Like, it's, there's nothing unique to it. I think what I'm looking for and other people are, too, maybe, is it's, like, something unique about it 
you know, that to make it your own, mm-hmm. not like everybody else, and then kind of like write, just write your own book about mm-hmm. life. I mean, there's uh, tons of studies coming out right now about um, not owning anything. Like, why do we need to own something, right? So, I mean, I know people right now that their dream is to live in this city for a month, live in this city mm-hmm. for a month, fly to Europe, live in this city for a month. Um, and I think that's a very different uh, prospect than, than the generation before us. The generation before us was all about this place of having a home, a home base. Um, and, you know, I think Jason and I are kind of similar age. I think you're a little younger, Wiley. Um, and I, I have owned a home. I don't own a home anymore. And I don't necessarily feel the urge to own a home again. Like, my idea of feeling at home is way looser than it ever was. And I don't know if that's us getting back to uh, an earlier stage of uh, evolution in some ways and not being bought into these things that are um, not not congruent with the current economy. I'm, I'm just curious. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, do you want to own a home? Uh, I do, mm-hmm. but... I think that what you're talking about is is actually something that we talk about all the time at Rumpel, which is just what is home? Because mm. I told you that we have this idea about active homeware. Sure. And to us, home extends beyond the four walls. Mm. Home is kind of wherever you're comfortable. So it could be an Airstream. It could be a van. It could be your tent. It could be on a trail with nothing. Um, it's kind of just wherever there are comfortable things around you that make you feel secure and safe. I don't want to interrupt you, but... Um... Yeah. James Hetfield once said, anywhere I roam, where I lay my head is home. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what it is. So is that a San Francisco? <laughs> Jason's making a metal metal face. <laughs> the question is, is that a San Francisco thing? Because Hetfield wrote that, and he's a San Francisco thing. Uh, or is that something people are really feeling? Is that like an evolved? Are we evolving? Or is it a, de- a, a devolving? Are we saying... We hit this point where we thought this is what would make us happy and content, and we were wrong. When you look at like the housing crisis of 2008, 2009, where people were allowed to buy homes that couldn't afford them, but the idea that they had a home was enough, but it wasn't theirs. A bank owned it. Mm-hmm. So that's the question I have, and this goes back to the wilderness question, is are we better just grazing the land? You know, our home is four wheels in a Westphalia. Our home is four wheels in an RV. Uh, yeah, I mean, man, to each their own, you know? like <laughs> Tough question, tough question. This you make a compelling argument well, for raising the land. This yeah. isn't, uh, this isn't, there's no right or wrong answer here. It's yeah. just, it's about why, you know, what makes us feel uh, settled, you know? And, and what does that mean? In my opinion, it's it's comfort and security. If you feel like you're you're comfortable and you are in a place where you can kind of like close your eyes and sleep without worrying, mm-hmm. that's that's pretty much home mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, short answer, but that's, no, I, that's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, yeah, but like like you said, wherever you lay your head is your home. I right. mean, I think that like comparing myself to my parents' generation, you know. You grew up, you're, you know, where you grew up is where, you know, you kind of go to school, you get a job, and that's your life because you didn't know what's out there. Like, our generation is just, there's so much out there. And just 
the ability to have a job, for example, like relocate you somewhere, you meet new people, then you take another job. So you get like 10, 15 years experience in the workforce. It's like, wow, like I've got this network of people that have just all scattered like I have. Not say we're roaming, but just like seeking the same like adventure and just like enjoying life. Then all of a sudden you realize like, holy shit, I've got friends, you know, across the world. And you don't realize until like one day you sit back and like, oh, like let's go on vacation, you know, something like that. Where, where should I go? Where should I go? Oh, boom, boom. Oh, cool. Like, uh, you know, Sarah's in New York. Cool. I'll, I'll go there and crash at her spot, you know. And then you got like, oh, so and so. Then all of a sudden you start putting everything together. Mm-hmm. And you can pretty much hit any mm-hmm. state you want in the U.S. easily. And then friends leave. They go overseas. I'm like, oh, cool. I'll hit up, uh, I'll hit up Jai. Like, he's in Australia. I haven't talked to him in a couple of years, but this thing called Facebook, you know, I'll hit him up, like, mm-hmm. hey, man, is it cool? And, like, we all have that same mentality where you can crash each other's pad, they're not there, you have, like, you met a couple times, hung out, and you can kind of, like, you've had that bond already, so they're completely open to sharing their place and showing you their hometown or whatnot. So that's what's kind of cool. And more than ever, we just, we know what it's like somewhere else through this screen, mm-hmm. and yeah. then we get excited to, like, go experience it for mm-hmm. ourselves. Yeah. Still doesn't answer the question. Do we need a place to say, this is ours, this is mine? I'm a balance of uh, like traditional and you know current, like where it's like I like a home base. Mm-hmm. What that is, home ownership, probably not for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I enjoy running. Also in San Francisco, I don't enjoy it, but I, I, I'm below. I enjoy, no, I enjoy no. renting in San Francisco. It's, it's great. Paying someone else's mortgage. <laughs> I hate it, and I want to throw up every time I like you know have see that check, but um. But, you know, like, I'm below the curve right now, and I feel, okay, like, this is a good place for me. The longer I stay here, the better off I am, you know, to live in this city and enjoy mm. all the indoor and outdoor experiences and the culture and the vibes around here. But, like, really, honestly, like, to have everything, like, to have that, don't own a home, but to have the city vibe, you know, in California, you can also go a couple hours and go to Tahoe or whatnot and you have the outdoors vibe, and then also near an airport. You really, for me, it's just a win across the board. You can, can kind of do whatever you want when so you want to do it. So would it be different? Would it be different? And we're talking about the wilderness. Would it be different if someone said to you, here's one acre of land. You can build a house on it. Go. Would that be? Where? T- I don't Somewhere know. Somewhere shitty with none of your friends. Yeah. What's shitty? <laughs> yeah, I need a budget, too. <laughs> well, that's a great point. Yeah. Like, it's yours. Yeah, but it's in the middle of nowhere. It's it's four. It's four I would, hours. I would opt for city. community and people over solitude. So you take the sure. community and the people over ownership, because that to you would be what the ownership is. Is your if, community if, if it was people. that black and white, then yes, it would have to be. Yeah, it would have to be in this scenario. <laughs> I mean, if if you're gonna give me an acre of land in, you know deep Alaska, most beautiful place. You know, it's amazing. It's It's got everything I want from and a here's natural your setting. Here's your but I, I see one person every two weeks. No way. I wouldn't take it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. There's, there's, a, there's a ton of studies that show that that can actually lead to massive depression, mm-hmm. not interacting with people and engaging with community. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would say that I would opt for community. And the good point is you could still buy a rumple. And you, feel good. You could. No matter gonna, where you are. It's going gonna, it's gonna to cost us on the shipping, not you. <laughs> you get $10 flat rate, you know? <laughs> Thank you, Wiley. Thank you, Jason. Wilderness, everybody. Find it. Yes, and at this point, we ended up 
staying another hour and recording another hour's worth of wild turkey influenced conversation which may or may not ever see the light of the day see you next week